Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Bullshit Detective podcast. My name is David Brown and today I have been talking to Charlotte Hope. Uh, Charlotte is a teacher of sociology and English at A-level. Um, I really enjoyed this one. It was just so much fun. She's a real laugh. She likes to swear. Um, she likes to do inappropriate things in the classroom um, and fears being sacked at any point. But have a listen. We, we talked about the whole subject of motivational quotes. Uh, we have similar views on the emptiness of these things um, and get constantly frustrated by the fact that people seem to buy into them and, and suck them up like heroin. Um, so anyway, have a listen. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did and I will catch you briefly at the end. Cheers. Hello. Hello. Hi, Davey. Good. Oh, hello. Yes, I'm good. Yes. <laughs> What was happening there? You're slamming your phone on the desk or something. Oh, no, not on purpose. <laughs> well, we're here now, finally. Yay! Um, after my after my <laughs> diary issues yes, yesterday, the day before. can't remember now. Um, well, I wasn't going to mention it, so you've dropped yourself in that one. I like to just get these things out in the open, <laughs> clear, clear the decks and move on. Uh, so welcome to the podcast. Um we haven't known each other long, actually. We've had a, a chat the other day and we got talking around, well, motivational quotes. It was a post I put up on LinkedIn, um, sort of having a bit of a, well, a bit of taking the piss a bit, really, um, out of the people who churn out motivational nonsense and the many millions of people who seem to to like it and comment on it. And I don't know, I question whether it's worth doing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Do you know what's been really interesting? Um, and everyone, as soon as I say that, I have a friend that will immediately say, I think I'll be deciding whether it's interesting or not. So already I yeah. kind of feel like I'm preempting this kind of conversation. Is that I, off of the back of your post on LinkedIn, then started having this conversation with other people because I assumed that, generally speaking, we were all of the same mindset, that there were the people that buy into the motivational quotes, but they're the silly people, and why would you pay any attention, and why are you doing that? And that kind of provoked this really interesting conversation and that came out of the idea of how British you are mm -hmm. and this idea that British people just like to be cynical we just like to be um, angry or um, put at things rather than buy into any of the motivational quotes that we see yeah. and so it has the idea of you see something and they gave me an example and annoyingly now I can't remember the example that they gave but it was like oh that was it customers are presents and we should treat them as something they're, they're only bothered about the present you see this is the thing it's not even powerful enough to stick in my head I can't no. even remember it because it is pointless yeah um, but in that particular example example the person I was speaking to said that the person they were with was it and at the time their reaction was but why that's utter drivel and this is only something that you would ever see in America and why are you associating with that and almost there's this disparity against what kind of person you are and the division that it creates automatically and I thought that was really really interesting the assumptions that we make about the people that do buy into them and yeah. why do people buy into them like there has to be a need because there's so many people that just spurt this utter can we swear can we go for you shit? can you go for it you can say any word you like <laughs> I'll get the ball rolling get... if you want to you can say cunt 
Oh, exciting. That should appear <laughs> in a motivational quote right there, shouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that, that might actually sell. But I just don't understand. I don't understand why there are so many that are retweeted or reshared or put on pretty backgrounds or I just don't get it and like when you put your post out saying you know can anyone come forward with a motivational quote that has actually changed your life and your unicorns welcome to I loved it because I thought it is that is mythical now not to negate the idea around motivational speakers or the power of being motivated. That doesn't remove any of it. It's the stuff that is so broad and bland, it can't do anything. I just don't see how something that is supposed to meet the needs of, well, apparently the world, can actually do anything for anybody. I just don't get no. that. I mean, I, I get the whole, we're all different. So some people like that stuff, some people don't. I think I think there were periods in time when I, I sort of bought into it. Well, I don't know about bought into, but I liked it. I used to like a motivational quote. You know, I used to have one of those um, calendars on my desk with a different quote no. every day. Yeah, all that nonsense. Um, but no. the, one, the one that comes to mind, because we were messaging, um, well, yesterday, the day before yesterday, um, the, the Michael Jordan quote, which is, the, you know, I've, I've missed this many shots, I've lost this many games, and that's why I'm successful. Okay, so fine. Um, and if you, I don't know if you've watched it, but there's a, there's a, a series on Netflix about Michael, Michael Jordan. Um, and this guy didn't leave any room for failure. <laughs> okay? No. You know, he was full on win, win, win. Um, and I just think that the motive, like his, um, he's not saying necessarily what people take on board people maybe take it on board as an excuse to fail mm, <laughs> right? yeah absolutely he's, he's, he's not talking about it's like yeah oh, right I can go out and fail I don't think Michael Jordan ever that ever crossed his mind <laughs> yeah exactly like his aim at each event wasn't to try to fail like he wasn't no. actively hoping to miss or mess up or you know proverbially drop the ball but it's that idea of what it allows for um and the misconstrued nature of all of it it just i just can't I just can't. I feel like that's maybe this, you know, with the whole the motivation, you got this, you can do this. I'm going, well, no, I can't. I'm not going to. And I well, think yeah. That yeah, I mean, it's like, it it's like you know, that... everything will be all right tomorrow. Yeah, but what if it isn't? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. And more often than not, it's not. It's, exactly. you know, and ha- again, everything will be all right. So let's just kind of unpack some of that then. Everything, will it? Every single thing in the world is that that's all going to be okay, yeah. is it? So, starvation is going to be gone tomorrow, poverty, not a thing anymore. Brilliant. And tomorrow, like my brother used to wind me up really badly when I was a child to say, Tomorrow never comes, there's always a tomorrow. Like, oh, if I could punch him, I would do. But it's that idea of the impossibility of what you're saying. And this is another thing with these motivational quotations, they tend to be so abstract that they just don't they're not relevant because they can't be they're so sort of far distance and emotive and not really digging into anything I don't understand how you can use it it's like the example I think I gave you before was the and it really does great on me and again there is this disclaimer that comes before it of if it supports you great if it gets you to where you need to be great but also it's okay to see these motivational Mm -hmm. quotes for what they are which is just motivational quotations so the one where it's it's okay to not be okay really really gets on my nerves because I think 
No, it's not. If you are in, and that's designed for people with significant mental health problems, isn't it? It's designed for people who are really in the pits of the shittiest time of their life. That's not okay. The word I would use to describe that is not okay. And I understand the message behind it, like you've said. The message behind it is that let's break the stigma around mental health. And it's all right to admit to the, the fear of depression or the stigma around depression or the fact that you're experiencing depression. That's okay, but that's not the message. And I think sometimes it can be quite toxic. The idea of like, if someone came to you and said, oh, you know, I'm having a really bad bout of depression at the moment. And your reply was, well, that's okay. Well, no, no, it's (laughs) It's not. not. It's not very helpful. (laughs) And I I think, I think it almost gives, it gives people permission not to take responsibility for themselves. Exactly. You know, so it's it's, it's all right. It's okay to be depressed. No, and you're right. You know, it's, you have to carefully choose the wording. Um, you know, it's, as you say, it's not okay not to be okay. Yeah. Um, because you still have to do something about it and you're going to have to do something about that yourself. Ultimately. Exactly. You're going to have exactly. to, if you're depressed, you're going to have to get out of bed and go for a walk or, or whatever to try and sort of drag yourself out of that way of thinking. And the, the thing is, like, that's the, again, the problem around depression is this idea of it being able to be passed off. Like, yeah. People who, again, in a non-rational state of mind are then being told, oh, that's okay. That's not supportive. That's not doing anything about it. That's not saying, okay, do we need some medical assistance here? How, you know, where are you on that scale? Let's think about this. It's just kind of saying, oh, well, here's another hot chocolate. I hope you feel better soon. Like, it's 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 not doing anything. And so that's when we, you know, first started messaging. And I have been motivated by things people have told me. So I have a plethora of pieces of advice that stick with me. But none of them have come from strangers. None of them have come from people who don't know my situation or haven't watched me struggle. So it's it's that that gets me as well is that there are these people who I'm sure are very qualified and have spent an awful lot of time training in specific fields that just say something that seems poetic seems relevant seems broad reaching and go okay yeah I'll stamp a price tag on that and put it on a cushion or a poster and send it out and I think oh that's not you're not really going to get to the crux of any matter there, are you? You're, you're just kind of trying to make money off of somebody else's lack of motivation. Well, and, I, and I think when people, when people um, quote other people, so the Michael Jordan one is a good example, they are riding on the back of the credibility of Michael Jordan. Mm. So they're associating themselves with that way of thinking. Um, absolutely and and the danger there is that actually it's not just what is said it's not just the words it's it's who says them yes who says them and when you receive those words yes you know you talk you talked about motivational speakers and all that kind of stuff and it's like well I I don't I'm not really sure whether they are particularly useful I mean I, I, I know people who've been on um Tony Robbins courses you know these intense four day you know you're just in a room and it's all controlled and they tell you what you can eat and what time you have to do everything. And those people have come away and, and you know, the, the couple that I know, they said, yeah, I felt great for, you know, a month, a couple of months. Mm-hmm, and then I mm-hmm. just went back and then I just went back to normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, exactly. So you can be, well, you, you can be, you, you have an experience, you have a good experience and you're all pumped up depending on what you're into. You go to a football match and you see your team win. You feel great for a while. Yes. 
And then you and wake up the then next day. There's and there's normality. Like, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. This is, you know, this is something, again, we were chatting about before. Um, and I think we even said then that we could almost have recorded that conversation rather than trying to record this conversation. Mm-hmm. But that idea and is something that I think is so important is the idea of the sensory nature of memory. So when you have those, and again, attitude, like the way that you approach something, because when those moments for me, the motivational quotes that have been really inspiring for me and I say motivational quotes really with a pinch of salt because they weren't delivered to me in a sort of you know what take a seat Charlotte just brace yourself are you ready sit comfortably okay I'm going to hit you that wasn't the way it was done it was in a conversation over a cup of tea in a canteen me pulling my hair out and then this wisdom just came out of the person's mouth now that person did not know at that time that it was going to be at that moment for me what felt like career altering stuff no way was that their purpose they were just trying to make me feel better in that moment but it's that sensory nature so I can remember which seat I was sat in which seat they were sat in their body language my body language the tone with which they said it you know what they were even wearing that starts to get a bit dodged but what they were wearing at the time and yeah. All of those things, what lesson I had just taught, what had just gone horrifically wrong. And while I was sat there pulling my hair out, that person just kind of saying, but this, you know, think about it. And I was going, oh, my days. Yeah. But that is something that's long lasting. Like I can tell you that. And that was above 10 years ago. It yeah. lasts because it's relevant to me it was from somebody I trusted it was all of that a part of it if you take the flip side of your example with the couple that you know that had that motivational week or four days and then you know it lasted for a a couple of months one of the biggest bugbears I have is the CPD weeks that appear at the end of the academic year so obviously I've alluded to the fact that I'm a teacher by the time it comes round to July we are knackered, like generally speaking, and this year more so than any other I've ever experienced. We are absolutely shattered yeah. and there's not enough um, hyper hyperbole to kind of explain how exhausted we are. So to then have this CPD week bolted on the end of our academic term, to then be told about all these different ways that we could remain motivated I just wanted to scream because I thought (laughs) you know you are now trying to deliver this event to a college-wide level of professionals so you've got administrators deliverers learning coaches assistants heads of departments librarians there's too many sets of professionals in that group of people that were all on that call at the same time and you're telling me that for the next 45 minutes you're going to give us something that's going to reach into the depths of each of our souls and dark places and just (laughs) completely convert us no (laughs) and here comes the cynicism um and I think you know that idea that you just said they're timely there's a moment for these things to be delivered but I don't really think that that's in your hands I don't think that you can decide when someone is going to just poke into your life and completely pull your ethos and attitude to pieces I just it's it's organic it has to be and that's what's wrong with I think the empty motivational quotations they're synthetic they're man-made and just a little bit tasteless yeah I mean I I sort of I suppose we're well in my head now I'm comparing things like motivational quotes to to the training courses that you talk about and there's there's all the corporate wellness stuff you know and I think training in general actually Mm. um it's it's done 
with the purpose of doing the training. It's not yeah. done with the purpose of actually having a having an impact and changing anything. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't consider the individuals receiving it enough. Yes, so exactly. my frustration, and I get frustrated with this, and, I, and I, I see a lot of this stuff, and I see people posting stuff on LinkedIn. And look, one of the things I do is coaching, and, and I've coached all sorts of people, sports people, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and in my view, to, to really get, to really guarantee that you're going to get some change, the work has to be very personal and very tailored mm. to the mm. individual. Mm. So as soon as you start to generalize, you know, you might get someone who goes on, you know, someone might have gone on that on that course that you talk about and got something really good from it. Yeah. Um, but they're not going to really be doing any work on themselves in terms of understanding themselves more. Exactly. Or right, exactly. Happen, but but no one's going to read a motivational quote and then go out the next day and change their lives. Not without no. a, a load of other stuff going on. Exactly. I mean, Absolutely. I find that just for clients, if you know, the fact that clients have decided um that they're going to work with me just makes the job easy because they've decided they're going to change they've yeah. decided they want to do something about it yeah but the, you see again this is something that is so subjective isn't it you have to get to know them they have to be in a place that they're ready to work with you they have yep. to have an idea in mind that so what I've been doing so far hasn't got me to where I want to be therefore and that's the point it's the therefore I need to well what do you need to do and that's going to be a self-reflective a really quite self-critical and evaluative approach to everything that has gone before now that requires a lot of soul searching it requires a lot yeah. of um inward looking and being disassociated from yourself and your journey thus far yeah. now you can't do that for everybody that is a very much an individualistic approach in the same way you know with your different client base the people that you're going to be working with they're going to have different levels of what their achievements are going to be so this yeah. idea of michael jordan now i i like football um I say that shamefully a little bit I like watching my football I like running I didn't really give a cat's ass about basketball so I go yeah Michael Jordan he's American isn't he wasn't he on a film like that's kind of my association I don't have a connection I don't have a link so I think well that doesn't mean anything to me it's the same with the guy and again showing up I'm a self-confessed technophobe the guy who creates Microsoft so he sits there and he's like oh Microsoft 95 started with Microsoft like Windows 95 started with Windows 1 and the idea that you keep going that's the the point of it but I don't I don't care about computers I don't give a again rats ass about the way that Microsoft or Windows works. If it doesn't work, I want to throw my laptop out the window. That's as far as I get with that connection. So if it's not relevant to me and if it's not driven to my particular field or industry, I just kind of gloss past it. And I have to really question how well motivational quotes can do that. If you're looking at the individual and we all have role models, we all have people that we look up to, but that's not the same person for everybody. Otherwise, there would only be one. And it just, it's that sort of differentiation between what one person needs at that time and what another person needs at a different time. And their goals, they're going to be so vastly different. Yeah. And look, I mean, I think even from, from the point of view of the, the, the things I post on, on LinkedIn, you know, I occasionally do a, 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 an actual post about my business. Mm. Um, and, and, I, and I get, I do get leads from those. And it, it, it is very much, it's just caught the right person at the right time yeah. who, who have a particular 
challenge at that time or something on their mind. So, you know, my view is always that if, you, if you've got something that you're trying to work out, mm. if you decide you're going to find the answer, you'll find mm. it. And it won't, you know, it's not ne- just necessarily going to hit you out of nowhere. So, you know, even if you look at sort of things like religion, if someone is, someone is asking God for a, a sign, mm. <laughs> then, then God isn't sending the sign. They're going to get a sign. They're going to see something that, that, well, that. Do you know what I mean? They're going to see something that, that, that helps them find the answer they're looking for, whatever that might be, because we find yeah. answers in very strange places, don't we? Absolutely. It's very similar, though, isn't it, to the idea of uh, when you buy a car and you've not seen that car anywhere and then yeah. you've bought the car and oh, all of a sudden everybody seems to own the same car that you've just bought. And yes. it's that same sort of mentality. And obviously there's been a lot of psychological study into why that happens and the connections that we have in our brain and where yeah. it's brought to our retrieval and all the rest of it. So that's very much a part of it, isn't it? But it doesn't start with the quotation. It starts with the person. Yes. You don't suddenly just start seeing cars or brands of cars you've already made that choice you've already decided to go shopping for the car so you're already in the market so in the same way with the motivational quotations that if you're thinking that oh well I'm you know I'm really fed up or I'm dissatisfied in my job or then that thing is going to be profound because you're looking for something to be profound it didn't start with the author of the quotation it started with you but again that's got to be and I think you've probably summed it up better than I ever would do but the idea of it being timely is it's got to be at the right moment it can't be manufactured and that I think is the problem because it feels a lot that with the motivational speakers and quotations that are available they tend to be on a conveyor belt and I get that there must be a parallel between what's being said because let's face it the market is people who are fed up or people that are not happy let's say but it it got to a point very quickly I feel that you're not saying anything new so I could go to I could look at one quotation and it says exactly the same thing but just the message is the same the words are just slightly different so I think well the trouble is people are regurgitating other people's quotes Mm. often you know then there's no context to them yeah um, absolutely won't, so won't, ne- won't necessarily know when that was said and why it was said and and, and all those kind of things um and, and I, I suppose i just sort of question i mean why do that why why post and you see these posts they are literally just a quote from somebody else mm-hmm. what's the point it's lazy yeah it's for lazy sure. yeah, and, I, and, I, and another i mean this is these are my assumptions that that, that the people who who consume this stuff are also lazy you know maybe they I haven't got it, a level of self-awareness where they can even yeah. apply it to themselves in in a useful way and, yeah. and actually what 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 they'll do is they'll apply it in whatever way suits them you know subconsciously or otherwise so the michael jordan it's like right I'm, i guess this is permission for me to just be rubbish now yeah but that's not yeah. what my you know the context of i don't know when michael jordan said that i don't know what else he said <laughs> you know yeah he didn't he didn't just sort of pop up a, a big meeting one day say that and walk away did he no exactly <laughs> there, like there was it wasn't conversation around that it wasn't the title of the speech was it but see this is the frustrating thing and I think when we start to misquote people as well that gets really on it really does um because as I, I teach literature as you know and so we study obviously a lot of the different 
well, forms of literature, and one of those is speeches. And the Martin Luther King, I always find it really curious because nobody knows the title of that speech. They all say, oh, it's the I Have a Dream speech. Wasn't actually what it was called. So what they've done is they've taken the, oh, it's I Have a Dream. No, 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 that's the anaphora. It's repeated all the way through the speech, and it's it's got the ideals of it, and it's setting it up, and it's brought you in because everybody has a dream. So there we go. We've got the relatability of it. And then we start to see how... um, symbolic it can be how it can be become because the thing is that he wants his dream is actually something that we all take for granted anyway that's where we get into the literature side of things but you know it's time and time again that these quotations are just absolutely lifted and put into a different scenario um and again literature but my master's was in shakespeare studies and the amount of times that people claim shakespeare have said all kinds of stuff and i'm going not shakespeare still not shakespeare and or even when it kills me when people read sonnet um the shall i compare thee to it oh no that's wordsworth the the marriage of true minds sonnet and they read it at a wedding and i go no no it's it's a really bad sonnet or even worse you know when we've got Auden, um that he was my north my south my east and west i'm like okay so that don't read that at a funeral please it's called funeral blues but it's not about a funeral. It's about a homosexual relationship. And when people stand up at weddings and they start reading out these quotations, and I'm just thinking, dear God, no. Like, have they've just not done enough research. And I think, why? Why are you reading out Shakespeare's sonnet to his dead child? Why are you reading out W.H. Auden's love declaration to his American lover? Have we really got to this part because you've not done enough research into making this relevant for your moment? And I think, wow, you know, you've just committed this marriage, this, this ideal to each other whilst another author is mourning the loss of a child. And yeah. you think, you seriously? <laughs> we, really, yeah, no, no, we... I suppose you sort of do get into, though, whether, you know, it's... It, it, does it matter? And, mm. and you're, you're saying, it, does it matter that someone wrote something about something and you're using it in a different context? I mean, it's, it's, it compares, wow. to the, compares to the Michael Jordan thing, in some mm-hmm. ways. It's like Michael Jordan, what he was saying, I think, is, I have worked fucking hard. To get where I am, yeah, today. yeah, yeah, and I have, I have given as little room for failure as I possibly can. I have done this with, you know, wholeheartedly. I have put everything I have into it, and fucked a lot of you, kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. he wasn't mm. saying I just went out and kept fucking things up and making mistakes. Um, you know, so so the context is is it's taken out of context, I think. Mm. I'm, I'm, I think I might go away and research that quote after this, just to sort of understand it a bit more. <laughs> um, Good. <laughs> and, and yeah, and, and I, I, so I, I, you know, I'm. I we touched upon this in our conversation the other day. I get really annoyed with the people who comment on these posts and consume oh, yeah. stuff. Because yeah, well, I get annoyed with all of them—the people who post them and the people who respond. Because th- there's no, there's no filter. There's no thought goes into it. Yeah, absolutely. And do, absolutely. Do, do people actually read it and then think, oh, how does that apply to me? I mean, they, they, they will do, but not consciously. They won't sit down and purposely think about that. They're just jumping on it because this this seems like a good thing. This makes me look good to associate myself with this quote. So the people who are quoting them are actually in some way giving the impression that, yeah, this is how I live my life. 
Mm. I'm a winner. Yeah, but it it's not though, is it? Like this is this is the oh god because again it just it's so irritating like it's almost lost for words it's bringing on the verbal stutter because it's so (laughs) annoying but it's that idea and you know as teachers we're encouraged to put up a lot of these posters around the room because they're supposed to drive student motivation they're supposed to engage with the you know the struggles of the student and I just don't get it I just don't understand how these sentiments and they're very sort of like birthday card sentiments aren't they they're not well I don't think they are I don't see the power in them I don't see the 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 reason why you would have that by association like I've I scroll straight past I assume I can't believe you owned one of these calendars but as soon as I see (laughs) a picture of like this is my calendar motivational quote for the day or oh my goodness how profound is this it's completely on point for me today and I'm like no (laughs) really so I just again I roll past it and it has the adverse effect for me so if someone's doing that if someone's putting that out there I tend to think less of them because I think, well, you're not creating anything for you, are you? Like, if they were to take a quotation and say, um, oh, my goodness, this is how I've seen this at play today and what I have learned from it and what I can take from it, that I'm interested in, that I want to see. Where someone says, oh, well, someone said this in passing and so what I did is I reflected on it and then I made it a part of my practice for that day and whatever that might be, whether that's teaching, whether that's sales, whether that's marketing, whatever – And it made me react in this way. So critique it, evaluate it, adopt it if you want to, but not like you say is this lazy, oh, I'll put it in my pocket and therefore I'm now better. No, it it kind of negates the opportunity for you to do work. And that's the thing. I think in all of these quotations, the message is you've got to work. You've got to work for what your goal is. And I don't think that you can make that pretty. Work is, you know, these trials are hard. Michael Jordan had to work hard. Steve Jobs had to work hard. And they didn't give up. You don't get to use the fleeting statement as a, oh, well, I tried twice and it didn't really pan out. So um, that's me done then. No, you have to keep going, but you have to do the work. Yeah. That's the thing I think that gets lost in all of these quotations where Michael Jordan says, I you did this. Like, good, that's what he did. So what are you doing? Like, yeah. seriously, where there's are also, you in this? There's, there's also, you know, the, the assumption perhaps that there, there is a way of doing things. Yeah, Okay. absolutely. And I, I don't. I, that certainly in, in terms of new things, there, there isn't a way. No. You know, I mean, I've worked in manufacturing for, for, for many years, and that is all about just repeating things. <laughs> you know, it's, mm. it's repeating yeah, yeah, yeah. things consistently and, and improving things, certainly in the area that I was in. But, but when it comes to being more innovative, you, you know, it's like Steve Jobs. He didn't have, he didn't have a plan, did he? No. He probably, got to, he probably got to the end of his life and looked back and thought, what the fuck happened there? <laughs> you well, know, it's, see, not, it's not that he didn't take action. He did. He obviously did. He was very committed. He was one of those, you know, obsessive people, wasn't he? As as Michael yeah. Jordan, all the all these people. Um, and and the trouble is that not everyone's like that. Not everyone is that obsessive. They they, they you know, even if they found the thing that they really enjoyed, they still wouldn't be that obsessive about it. And I yeah, sort of question exactly. whether I question whether it's healthy anyway to be that obsessive about something. Exactly. But I think there's an arrogance attached to that, isn't there? That if we go around saying, 
this works for me. This is what makes you successful. This is what you need. That for me is rude because yeah. I think where we should start with is ourselves. So this has worked for me. You could try it rather than you need to do this. This is the the goal to success. And that idea around success really grates on me because I see an awful lot of students and you know they've we've had that really honest conversation in our classroom. Pretty much anything you say in our classroom is is dangerous for a manager to walk in at like I very often I I think within the first month of me teaching any new class and I do a level so I don't have to worry quite as much but the idea I always say you know if I don't get fired this year it'll be a miracle because we have these open and honest conversations and they very often say that if they've been in the gifted and talented club at school and they've been identified as gifted and talented what it does in terms of mental health damage because they then assume that for the rest of their life they're going to be high achievers and worse they're going to be academic high achievers and then they walk into an a-level classroom and it is hard they go from the gcc they've got a bunch of nines they hand in a piece of work to me and i give them an e and they go home and cry because they think they failed they think they have somehow got to make a gcc grade nine become an a-level a star within a term they're expecting that they've always been told they're exceptional they've always been told that they're gifted and talented and I'm not a bitch like they don't walk into my classroom and like haha I'm going to ruin you now let me destroy your (laughs) innermost being that's not my goal just to be clear but they get a taste of reality and they don't like it and then this idea of right well I failed well what's the point and then the amount of times you know we laugh in my staff room because the amount of students that leave English literature in the first four weeks because they go oh wow this is actually really hard (laughs) oh really shocker (laughs) um but there isn't that sense of don't give up and work harder and it's okay to get the e grade just make sure the next week it's a d grade like learn from it build on it but it's got to be for them in that moment and you can't have this element of success I've also had students in the past where I've handed out marked pieces of work and I've been gutted because I thought well you know I expected a lot more from you folks what's going on why have we done this this is you know they managed to get an A star so where are you what and then the student student came back at me went I'm really happy with the C grade I thought I'd failed that unit so I'm celebrating my C right now and I thought yeah lesson learned and it was me that needed that lesson not the student that student had worked their ass off and they had tried so hard and their success was a C grade in English literature now they were excelling in other subjects and I again figured oh well why aren't they excelling in English literature but that student getting the C grade had excelled they had done very very well and I think that's a real issue that we don't recognize our different levels of excelling of success of embracing that success and actually there's no shame in the C grade. A C grade is a bloody good grade at A level. That would get you into a university. And that is the pathway to your degree and your higher education, further education after even that. Lifelong education, let's hope. But you've you've got to kind of get around your head around these issues around success within the motivation that comes with it because if you're not being driven by what your goal is if you're not going to be aware of that and understand that that's different to the person you're sat next to you're never going to be motivated by the same thing either no and I think that's you know that's that that's the sort of 
an inherent problem with the education system and actually it's not it's more than that it's culturally there's this mm. there's this bar that is set you know so my son he's um he's nearly 17 he fortunately was able to leave school and not do any exams because of this, this virus so <laughs> there's some real positive stuff you know and and he's a he's a bright lad and I'm I'm I'm, I'm obviously his father so I'm gonna but he, but he is he's he's, mm. he's he's intelligent he he's inquisitive and and all that kind of stuff um, but he just didn't suit. He, he didn't suit that way of learning. Yeah, um, for sure. So he's he's left with this sense of failure, which I've I've you know we've spoken a lot about it. Yeah. Um, and that comes also down to that. You know, it's a timing thing again. Not all people develop at the same the same speed. Yeah, but, absolutely. But the demand is you, you and, and the, the the demand is there. You need to reach this level, and it's all there on a spreadsheet, isn't it? Yeah, oh, for this sure. This level by this age. Or, mm-hmm. well, I mean, or, or you'll make the assumption about yourself that you make if you do or don't do that. You're either a success or a failure. Yeah. And that then becomes integral to who you are as a person. That yes. It's referred to in sociological terms as the master status in terms of what you adopt of yourself. So, for example, it's mostly associated with criminals. So if you're considered or accused of being a criminal often enough it's adapted or adopted rather as the master status that each individual has this idea of what they principally are and that's a big problem because let's face it our young people go from and probably even earlier than other European countries but they start in a form of education at fall maybe even if they've gone to an early year setting or preschool before that and then they're tracked I remember my son being at nursery um, or childcare when I'd gone back to work he was 14 months old and I was invited to a parents evening to discuss his progress I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. You have actually got, but we got a report. There was an actual report with numbers for values, the things that he was achieving. And I was shocked. I was absolutely astounded. Now I'm an educational professional. I've been in education for an awfully long time. Yeah. Longer than I don't care to admit. But my 14 month old child was, and what made, you know, we sat there on those ridiculously small red plastic chairs with the, yeah. the carers on the other side of the ridiculously small plastic chairs. And I was like, surely this tells us that this is wrong. Like, my knees are under my chin right now. That's yeah. got to tell us that what we're doing right now is ludicrous. But I went to the parents' evening because I was like, I'm curious. I want to see how this is going to work. I mean, I ripped up the report afterwards and I've not looked at it since. And it, it's, it is truly ridiculous. Well, yeah, I mean, is... what, do you, what do you need to know about, you, you know, you, thought he, <laughs> you, you you just want to know that he hasn't eaten too much sand from the sandpit today, don't you? Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that maybe he missed me when I wasn't there. Like, if we're yeah. being particularly egotistical. But, like... <laughs> Honest to God, I was well, no, I sat there absolutely right, astounded. Yeah, exactly. Was he upset today? Yes, no. Okay. Yeah. Was <laughs> so he settled? Yeah. You know, did he sleep? Is he going to be a rotter for me tonight? Is essentially what I need to know. Like, why is there a plaster on his head? Is it him that decked the other child? Like, these are the things I need to be aware of that you can then navigate yeah. those who social started? circumstances. Who yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> but no the, this report with these numerical graded values and you know it's called entering developing and mastered so these different EYFS scales and I'm just going you this is mad this is now applying this to a pre two-year-old you know he couldn't even walk properly at 14 no. months and yet here we are measuring his ability to communicate with others and it's like wow that that's 
it really did as even as an educational professional knowing all of the pitfalls within our environment and in our culture that got me and I thought if that's where we start we start at that age kind of and you know we talk about the mums that compare the babies oh well my son can do this and my child can do this or whatever in mum groups you, you kind of expect it but really within a nursery setting and I felt really sad for the staff because the staff were doing this because Ofsted were going to come in and they were going to say well how are you tracking progress and it's like well he used a spoon today oh well done you know you're now a good facility rather than a requires improvement but that's how we're measuring all the time it's always against this yardstick that somebody else has done or achieved so if you compare one child to the next oh well you know jack can read a book and i don't know sinbad can't so you've kind of got that idea of we're using each other to compare rather than looking at the individual and how the individual develops at any particular stage and celebrate the successes and motivate when and in the appropriate manner as is applicable to the individual yeah it it takes i mean i I remember um getting a well one of one of my son's reports and it it was a spreadsheet with lots of different colored squares which (laughs) i you know i I immediately just kind of got incredibly frustrated and bored and threw it away yeah i did have a look at it and and i just found it really sad there's no mention of him as a person yeah mention of the of the funny cheeky you know sometimes quite annoying kid that he is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, but so, so but, and, and actually the teachers who we got on with are the ones who recognise that. Yeah. And the ones who'd have a bit of a mess about with him and stuff, you know, and, and actually be able to and see him for what he was and and yeah. respond to him for that. Um, but look, we, I think we're, you know, from a very early age in, in the education system. And actually, it's not just that. It's probably before that, isn't it? We're, we're, you mm. know, the, way, the way our parents speak to us, we're, we're measured you know, I've done all the time. As I've said, I've done a lot of work with sports people. <clears throat> it's even worse then because that just continues. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they're measured all the time, you know, and they are actively measured in every single way. Um, and and what happens is then we just start to do it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So even if no one's measuring us, we're, we're always, com- you know, we're comparing ourselves to other people, how much money we earn, what sort of car we drive, all those kind of things. Mm. Um, and, you know, even, I mean, you know, just to sort of, go back to the whole motivational quotes, I think that's creating the same thing. Mm. People are comparing themselves to Michael Jordan. They're they're considering his story and what he did in comparison to themselves. But they're not... That's the thing no. I get so cross with because it's that's where it should stop. You, you know that you do have this in a, you know, how do you measure your version of where you want to be at whatever given time, and yeah. you know, women worse even or even worse because you have the background of saying, oh, you know, your biological clock's ticking. How many babies have you had so far? And you think, really, <laughs> that's the conversation you want to have with me right now? Yeah. Um, no one's asked me how many degrees I've got, and I've got more of them than I have kids. Like, can we be a little bit more mindful of the other stuff? But I think that idea of comparison and and looking at each other it can be good and it can be useful because at the end of the day you don't want to be someone who sat on your ass doing nothing for the rest of your life and if you need that brilliant but it should be about what you need and how you can make it relevant for you because we are not a one-size-fits-all anything whether that's 
the human race whether that's a species we're just not and I think that if we start comparing ourselves too much we lose sight of our own successes and I'm guilty of that all the time I have to constantly remind myself of no I did good there that was good for me that was my my achievement so I sit here going all right well I've written these or I've written these YouTube videos, for example. Now, that might mean nothing to such as um, Mark Dixon, who is the YouTube guard on LinkedIn, and I think he's brilliant. And showing him my YouTube videos, I was like, bow my head in shame. But a month ago, I wouldn't have even known where to start. So I sit here no. going, that's a huge success for me. And so I'm going to celebrate my shitty PowerPoint videos because they're there and I did that and well done me like I you know in terms of oh I got this and I didn't give up and yay and all the rest of it but none of that drove me what drove me was a desire to provide something that was going to be useful for my students now if you compared mine with such as Mark Dixon who is brilliant you're going to laugh at mine because yeah. his skill level oh. is exponentially higher than mine but if yes. you put him in my classroom to teach english literature he will also fail but that's yes. the problem isn't it the version of success and fail because for him if he if he was to deliver anything he would come out of that going well i bossed that because i didn't i'm not a professional in this field so i did well and yeah. i think that that's a real pothole with motivational quotations that you you just get to a point where you know is it really healthy is it really helpful and is it potentially actually more damaging and that's where I feel there should almost be a, a counterbalance every time someone spouts this nonsense there needs to be a dose of reality that comes alongside it or there needs to be a little yeah. asterisk with a subline or something that just says perspective please like let's just keep this into some kind of rationale rather than letting us get carried away with these empty phrases that really do mean nothing I mean it, 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 a lot of it comes back down to it's the judgments people make of other people and, mm. and actually the judgments we make of ourselves so the YouTube I mean, I've got a YouTube channel and look you know you know my, my hashtags embrace your shitness and it's all about that it's just about you know just get on and do something yeah. You know, so I, I, I often even with clients, it's like they'll, they'll, they'll ask, you know, oh, I've got all these things that I'm considering. And, and my, answer, my answer generally is, look, just do something. doesn't matter yeah. what it is, just pick one and go do it. Yeah. Um, so my YouTube, I mean, I haven't done any for a while, but it's all been me being a bit crap and actually sort of having a little bit of a, you know, poking a bit of fun at how crap I am. I'm actually being more crap than I could be <laughs> in those YouTube videos. <laughs> but that's the whole premise. It's like you've just got to get on and do something. And there's no point measuring yourself against someone else. So there's no point measuring yourself against Michael Jordan. Exactly. <laughs> at all. In, in, any, in, in any context. There's, there's yes. just no point in it. Because exactly. you're either going to think that you can do that. And I'm sorry, most people can't. I know I couldn't do what Michael Jordan did. I'm 52 now for a start. Mm -hmm. um, but it sort of feeds into this, this, I don't know, the people who just want some hope. And actually, yeah. what comes to mind is, you know, all these... Um, you know, these bloody, well, snake oil salesmen, the, these people that are peddling courses, you know, for mm. $1,997. Mm. Um, that's the whole story there is, well, yeah, well, sort of one person did that once and made a yeah. lot of money. So, yeah. every, so everyone can. It's like, no, that's bullshit. They can't. Yes, because and it's actually, been done. You've done it. And actually, mm. you, your intent isn't to get everyone to do it. Your intent is to sell your course and fill up your yes. bank account. 
Yes, absolutely. And the thing is, you know, when we think of those case studies and the feedback that those courses are going to get, they're going to be in that honeymoon period immediately after they've taken place. And so people are going to be saying, oh, yeah, it was amazing. I feel on such a high. It's like, of course you are. Your endorphins are absolutely pumped right now. Of course, if I ask you that now. But, you know, it's the longevity of it. And how are you going to maintain that? And that's the difference because then it falls on the individual's shoulders. Again, that question becomes the pronoun focus. How are you going to maintain that? Because you've been given a variety of different strategies and tools, no doubt, but you've got to keep them up. And I think until that is where you have, again, that disclaimer, the asterisk, the extra piece of information with these pieces of advice or motivational quotations or whatever, what are you going to do with it? Like, how are you going to make it so that you're driven? Because that's a great start like we've said you've only seen that because you've already got to the stage where you're looking to be driven you're looking to do something different but it's about you it's your relationship with your future it's got nothing to do with anybody else well because I think most people haven't really thought about what it is they actually want they're they are they're they're riding on the coattails of of some others some someone else's version of doing things and we do this on the basis of growing up in a certain family and our parents doing certain jobs you mm. know I, I did I became an engineer because my dad was one and, I, and it's not that you know it wasn't like wow that's what I'm going to do it was like I didn't really mm. know anything else this mm. seems like a this seems like a reasonable idea my dad seems to earn decent money yeah 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 um, it's a lifestyle I recognize exactly so we go we, we follow the, the familiar um yeah so I, I, don't, I don't know really how to how to sum this up. Um, <laughs> They're shit. And, Maybe and, we should put that on a poster. <laughs> well, look, I think I think it's down to it's not so much that the motivational quotes are shit. I mean, the people who post them, you know, I say out of context, they just don't put any context around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people who receive them and make, you know, glib comments, you know, there there's some pretense there. Yeah, They're pretending to themselves that that yeah, in part, and I, I'm not, you know, in part that yeah, I, I could, I could be like Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, they, I, they can't be. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to even indulge it. I'm not even <laughs> no. gonna, it this, I really, I am much more realist and I will always push you know my job is to push people to the next part of what they're wanting to achieve so if you're wanting to move from the D to the C grade you're going to have to push and you're going to have to do this and I support anybody in their ambitions and I would always aim or I would like to think that that's what I'm you're going to get from me I'm going to push you and I'm going to push you really hard you're probably going to hate me during the process but you're going to really love me on results day and that's the point but it's got to be them in everything that I've done in my career career it's been about I will give you so much but you've got to take it you've got to do the next bit and I think that is the the bit that's missing sometimes with these quotations is it's just assumed that oh I read something inspiring therefore I am now successful and you go well, yeah maybe, maybe actually maybe maybe the next lesson you take you just go in you give them a big thumbs up and say you got this and walk out again and see what happens <laughs> Uh, I think I might be fired. Well, this will be the year, won't it? If all these years I've been saying this is the year that I'm going to get fired, <laughs> yeah. the motivational quote will be the reason that finally I get the people five. <laughs> so you're, so. You're, you're kind of a, a, a Robin Williams character, then, are you in, in Dead Poet Society? A bit of a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I love, by the way. We need more people. We need more people like that in the world. 
and it, and it's not about it's about thinking a bit more critically isn't it it's about uh, you know about breaking things down and it's almost uh, people don't want it but it's like let's let's take all the the magic and imagination out of this mm. you know about out of this this motivational quote ultimately it's a string of words that someone said once yeah absolutely absolutely like I, exactly <laughs> and it's well, I would call it bad poetry. I, yeah. <laughs> I would just say yeah. it's, it's bad poetry. Someone tried to write poems. They failed, so they had it put on a cushion and sold it elsewhere. And I, that's, that's essentially where you would go, where I come at it from anyway. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's probably a good place to, to draw bad a line. Bad poetry, I think, is potentially it's... your title. <laughs> when something becomes bad poetry, oh, well yeah absolutely well thank you that's been fun again it has it has been fun and I don't know if, if you're up for it there might be some there might be some more of these that we could do it's been a yeah it's, what I, I quite I'm, like is the the fact that you, you know you, you do have an academic background that like I have studied to, to a reasonable level but I, I tend to approach life I'm almost it's sort of a bit, a bit anti-academic <laughs> that's, to be you know, fair because, so do so, I <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's why I'm the anti-academic academic. Well, and I think I think what you do is you know, and, and look, I suspect a lot of people um, in academia do sort of challenge the, the the process, especially when it comes to to younger kids. There's more more and more talk about it, but you again, it, it, it's about critical thinking, isn't it? It's about actually just sure. think a bit more deeper about what's going on and break it down to its simplest form. You know, it's, yes. that, that's root cause analysis from you know my old career go and find out the thing that actually caused this problem. Yes, exactly. Rather than make up a big bloody story about it and waste all your time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But you see this, you know, and again, I, I could use that as a springboard into yet another conversation because there's there's so many examples of that. And, you know, in both of my subjects, I teach literature and sociology. It's yeah. the why. And I often say to them, why? Why has that happened? Why do we consider, so again, in sociology, why do we consider that a crime, but we don't consider that a crime? Why? Yeah. Why is it that Seamus Heaney is incredibly popular, but we all hate Caroline Duffy? Why? Like, this, you've got to kind of get into that and to get them to ask questions and I feel like that's something that we don't do enough of and we've got a lot of situations where we've we're so result driven rather than inquiry driven and we should be inquiry driven we should be asking the process and and looking into that rather than just being able to give me the answer and I think that you know that's that's what's happening a lot in education. A lot of the time, students are so desperate to be able to give me a full mark question that they keep handing things in. And I'm going, but you've not actually listened to my feedback, have you? All you've done is you've assumed that if you put one extra word in in this particular place, I'm going to give you extra marks. No, <laughs> go back, question it, look at it again. Yeah. Well, it's a bit like it's the same as, you know, from, from, for me, it's no different from posting stuff on social media to get likes oh yeah and views it's the same mm. thing it's it's a sort of a uh i don't know a, a posting by numbers you know so you, you get a lot all these conversations about how you should post when you should post you know yeah. what the structure of a post should be and it's like no just post what's what's in your head what's going on at that it, time you might you yeah. might get into trouble because i sometimes do but just yeah, yeah 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 absolutely it dribble, let it dribble out and out of your head and just post it 
but there you go again isn't it it's back to that really vicious cycle of what is your version of success it's like oh well I put something out but it only got 10 likes therefore it's no good what about if that thing that you put out was so relevant to those 10 people that responded to it it really has had a positive impact on them but because the number is not the number you wanted therefore what are you going to do so you you then manufacture this response as I was shocked the other day to find out that you and again this may, might show my naivety in terms of technology but you can buy likes you can buy yeah. the opportunity to appear more liked than what you actually are and I think well, why would you want to do that why would you want that and yeah it's lovely when people respond and interact with you but I want the relationship I want to hear yeah. what people say and so if I ask a question and I put a question out the other day saying oh I you know had a story in my head started writing it does anyone else do that and someone's replied and said oh yeah I was in Mumbai and they started giving me this story and I was like wow that sounds incredible tell me yeah. more I want to know that story and how you got there I don't just want people to I don't want to be able to look at it. Okay, yeah, five people thought that was interesting. Like, no, you know, talk to I'm, me. I want. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm much the same. I, I want to have a conversation, and I suppose that that's one reason why I do this podcast because <laughs> I, because I, I actually enjoy this. Yeah. You know, and 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 I, I do sort of partly feel that that the, the I don't know maybe these conversations need to be heard a bit more, not just about, yeah. about the subject we've been talking about today. And you know I've done some sort of podcasts about racism and stuff like that. But yeah, but for people just to be able to be to just say what they think mm-hmm. um, and not be judged for it, and then you know rather than the response being and you see it played out on social media, people just pile onto this person to shut them yeah. down. Yeah, so, yeah, well, yeah. Then, actually, let's understand why that is. Let's understand why that person is racist or has yeah. or has has behaved in a racist way. And yeah. Actually, it's only racist because someone's decided that that's racist. Exactly. We um, we had an amazing moment. I, I promise I will let you shut me up in a second, but this one's just too good not to not to share with you. I was in, and again, in terms of my classroom, it's an interesting dynamic, the way that you're in there. I'm very sweary. I refuse to wear shoes. It's very unorthodox lesson when you walk into one of my literature classes. And I had a student last year who, um, there's a, in a streetcar named Desire, there's a moment where one of the women is abused, physical abuse, she's, she's slapped. Yeah. And one of the students said, well, I kind of think that domestic abuse victims deserve it. And it was one of those moments where <laughs> you think, oh, my day, she's actually just said that. Yeah. Um, but I sat at the front of the class and the response was beautiful because the entire room just went, oh, you can't say that. And then I said, wait, Why? can't she say that and then they all kind of went Charlotte you can't say that and I went wait why can't I say that and I abandoned in that moment what the next activity was going to be and I said right we're gonna have a debate now I split the class in half I made the girl who said the statement argue the opposite side and I made the people who had this really quite almost violent obviously not violent but verbal violent reaction of this you can't do that you can't possibly say that that's not okay to say and I was like justify it I want you to be able to have these conversations so that if you want to challenge somebody's point of view and you want to be able to have the difficult conversations, you're prepared to do so. So I made them argue that actually domestic abuse by uh, victims deserve it. Now, obviously, not what I'm saying. I'm not endorsing in any way, shape or form domestic violence. But it was so interesting because immediately their reaction was, you can't do that. And I thought, well, where has that mindset come from? Because none of you decided to say, well, actually, 
why do you think that why is that your opinion where's your mindset behind that and there you go again you see they're regurgitating what they've been told they should say so we should say that this is not okay and it isn't but you aren't prepared to question the process that's got somebody to that conclusion and if you can't do that you're never going to be able to mediate anything and it's because it's straight into judgment oh yeah and oh sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I I say things. I mean, it is to get a reaction, but you know, a lot of what I post on on LinkedIn isn't. They're not my beliefs necessarily. Mm. It's like let's post something to sort of get some responses and get a conversation going. Yeah. Um, but it's it's you know the people. I think a lot of time it's just people feel, find it very uncomfortable to read some things. It's not. It's not that you can't say that. It's what they're saying is I'm really uncomfortable hearing you say that. Yeah, absolutely. Because of my own set of beliefs. Absolutely. And because of that, I'm just going to shut you down and make you the person who's wrong so I can just carry on thinking what I think rather than Absolutely. have my own beliefs challenged. Yeah, for sure. Because again, it's not about growth. It's there's so little or so few people that are invested in growing. They just yeah. want the answers now. And yes. that's where these motivational quotes come from, isn't it? They Instant just come from. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So thank you. We're going to stop there. We did it. We managed an hour. I've gone over. Any any more conversation will have to be another podcast episode. So thank you very much for coming on. Um, Thank you for having me. We we will keep in touch and stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah, let's consider doing some more. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely up for that. Great stuff. Okay. Thank you. Cheers, Charlotte. Bye. Bye. Well, thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the Bullshit Detective podcast. My name is David Brown, and thank you very much to Charlotte Hope for coming on. Uh, I suspect we'll be we'll be doing some more episodes in the future. We've uh, got a few subjects to talk about. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed it, and please remember to subscribe wherever you normally listen to your podcasts. I will catch you again soon. Cheers. <laughs>